Be to God. What's up, everybody? What's up? <laughs> uh, I want to say that it's good to be back with you. Um, and I hope that everyone had a great Thanksgiving and uh, enjoyed uh, the beginning of Advent last week. I have deeply, deeply, deeply missed you guys. Um, uh, going from New York the Lord just provided this crazy opportunity to be able to uh, literally come home, unpack, repack, and then head to London and was there for a few days uh, uh, and then came back. And when we got, whenever I got back, uh, our house was hit with sickness. And so I was just trying to figure out where my head was uh, during that time. But I just wanted to say, one, uh, I know I said this to a few of you, but um, I personally just wanted to say out loud, I'm so sorry that I wasn't able to make it to uh, just the cabin that everybody was at. I like when Lauren and I were talking about it, there was everything in me that said, I want to be there. But then I also want to be in London. And there was really genuinely no, forget that I'm going to go to London. It was literally like being torn in half because I wanted to be in both places at the same time. And, and so um, I, yeah, it's good to be with you. That's what I'll say. Uh, second, uh, I, I've just been really encouraged by just how uh, uh, all the pictures that have been shared around just like Advent um, of people doing that in their homes, you guys doing that in your homes. I know that that's something that Lauren and I, uh, we've done in our home for some time. I don't know if anyone else has done it for some time in your home, uh, but if this is your first time that you're doing it together, uh, just seeing the pictures and how rich this time is, uh, honestly, it's one of my, uh, it's one of my uh, favorite times of the year. This uh, only followed by personally, I just love Easter uh, more than Christmas or Advent. But all that to say, uh, this time right here is one of these times where uh, we just get to um, celebrate the coming of the Lord. And so um, we were just kind of gathered around last Sunday a a, a scented candle. Because uh, we were just so jacked up. And so thank you also just for everybody that prayed for us as we were uh, just considering uh, the sickness and everything that we was going, going on. So as we consider the events of this year and the invitation of the Holy Spirit uh, unto healing, uh, we want to take the last few Sundays of our year to lift our eyes above the weariness we've experienced mm-hmm. and Here's, here's me just going above and beyond and rejoice, okay? I'm just going to say rejoice. rejoice. And the reason why is because we want to rejoice in hope. We want to rejoice in faith. 
We want to rejoice in the peace that has been given to us by God in Jesus. And so as we considered and we asked, <coughs> Holy Spirit, what is it that you want us to enter into during this Advent season? Uh, there is this particular line in the song that we sang today uh, called O Holy Night. And this line just kept ringing in my ears. And, and honestly, it started uh, back in October uh, that as I was just considering we're about to enter into Advent, God, you've got to change something uh, in me personally, uh, because I was just feeling just the weariness and the weight of uh, this year. Uh, this little phrase just kept ringing in my ear, and it was the phrase, a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Like every time I hear that phrase in that particular song, I, I genuinely do get the chills. It is one of my favorite phrases in any Chris, Christmas hymnal. Uh, and, and, and in this year, whenever I, I purposely turned that on and Lauren's like, oh, you're turning on Christmas music. Uh, I was listening to Lauren Daigle sing this song. And as she's singing, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morning my soul just needed to hear that and needed that reminder so for advent what we want to do is we want to focus our attention on the fact that although we are weary anybody else in here weary with me yeah uh we have a reason to rejoice because ultimately in jesus we have hope we have faith we have joy we have peace and so for the, through the next uh, few weeks, the following weeks, what we did is that we provided, and everyone should have already received one, uh, an Advent guide to orient hearts around the first and also the second coming of Jesus with weekly candle lightings, with weekly scripture readings and moments to pause and pray and remember what God's people felt as they waited for the coming of the Messiah and if you have, and if you uh, just just stop and consider everything that is around us that is causing us to be weary, and we're saying, "Man, I can't wait till Jesus comes back," I would venture to say that that is the exact same way that the people felt uh, whenever they were waiting for Jesus' first arrival. And now we're here in the already but not yet, in that same moment, in a similar moment in history where we're looking forward to Jesus's return and what Advent does, it orients our hearts to get rid of the weariness that is around us and lift our eyes up for us to stop navel gazing and look up and say, Jesus, will you come again and anticipate that? So uh, in the midst of being sick last week, I, I just remember getting into my bed on Tuesday after a shower and I, I said, Lord, I don't have strength, but I'm going to open up this Bible and I'm going to open it up to Hebrews chapter 10. And um, I was given so much hope as I read uh, our text for today and then also began reading the context. And uh, you're going to have to forgive me today because as, as, as we go through this, there's going to be moments where I'm going to feel the angst of wanting to like divert and go maybe deeper into certain things. It's because I, th there's just so much in this text. There's so much in Hebrews that uh, if you don't know this already, 
if, if bless you, if there's if there's a book in the Bible that I would besides the whole Bible, but if there's a book in the Bible that uh, if you were to say rip out every other book in the Bible and you only get to spend the rest of your life reading this one book, for me it would be the book of Hebrews. And so there's just so much here uh, that that the that I just feel over the course of time in my lifetime that the Holy Spirit has deposited in me, and I want to share this with you, uh, and have been so anxious to do it. So, um, first, a little bit of context on Hebrews. When you read the book of Hebrews, you come to notice that the reason the writer of Hebrews was writing was to lift the eyes of Jesus' followers of the day above their circumstances. So in their day, the, those that were reading the book of Hebrews, they were subject to beatings and they were subject to mistreatment. And when I say mistreatment, I'm not just talking about like, like, hey, you know, they're being pushed around or they're being uh, insulted, although they are being pushed around and they are being insulted. I'm talking about kind of the, the type of mistreatment that, uh, that make you lose your breath and make you lose your faith as I take away what you love the most kind of mistreatment. They were experiencing injustice. They were experiencing partiality. They were experiencing persecution and imprisonment, all because they wouldn't forsake the name and man, Jesus. This is not the kind of stuff that we thought we were enduring in 2020 and think that we're suffering through in 2022. We're not experiencing what the believers in Hebrews were experiencing. What they were experiencing was the confiscation of their livelihood for living the radical life Jesus came to show them. And what scholarship seems to point and what scholars point to is that they weren't even experiencing the worst of it yet. Because this was actually they were uh, this was actually written before Nero uh, came onto the scene, and the emperor Nero, if you know anything about his time as emperor, was he was known as the emperor who would light the streets at night with the bodies of burned Christians that he would crucify alongside the road. And this is right before that time, but it's leading up to that time. And so the, what the writer of Hebrews does is that he masterfully shows us why Jesus is better than the outward pressure that they were experiencing and the inner weaknesses that the hearers were also feeling in that time. And now before, oh, as I said that phrase, before your mind passes judgment on them and, and saying, why would they uh, 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 give in to the outward pressure or the inner weaknesses? Um, Think of the many times that you forgot about Jesus in the last eight months when the stakes have not been as high. And it's no wonder why we're weary. Because this week, just this week alone, in the midst of even the sickness, I found myself in one breath singing, nothing else will do. I just want you. And then the next breath being distracted by social media as something else that had taken my thoughts, as something else had taken away my thoughts away from God. We're weary because we know we can do better, and yet we caught up, we're caught up in the less than. 
And the author of Hebrews is wanting to show us the better thing, the better way, the better one. And he shows us the God of the universe has made flesh in Jesus, who is the one that as you read, the, uh, if you sweep through Hebrews leading up to chapter 10, what you see is that he, what the writer of Hebrews does is that he points Jesus out as the one that is greater than angels. He's the one that is greater than man and greater than Adam. He's actually even greater than Moses and he's greater than the Levitical high priest. And he ends in chapter 11 by saying that he is the goal of our faith. And all of this is to remind his readers. And he's also, uh, I'm going to say that he's also reminding us today that we do not belong. If we're going to remember faith and if we're going to light a candle of faith, we do not belong to a fickle faith. And so when he reads and when he writes in chapter 10, beginning in verse 39 and on into 11, he says this, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So here are two categories, right? The two categories, he's saying you're either one, we're going to be the people who don't believe Jesus uh, is better, so we'll shrink back and we will be destroyed. Or we're going to be the people who believe Jesus is better, so we have faith and are saved. And his confidence in you and his confidence in the people that he's writing to, his confidence in the people that are going through this hardship is one that he says, we don't belong to the ones that shrink back. We belong to the ones that have the confidence in what they hope for and an assurance about what they do not see yet. You see, I wish I, we, we would have met last week to really just talk about hope because, uh, but, but I want to suffice it to say this, that hope is not the hope that we're used to. It's that this hope of it may happen or it may not. And therefore I, I hope it will. No, biblical hope is a hope that, that, uh, will happen regardless of how long it takes. It's this hopeful expectation that this will one day all pass away and Jesus will come. It's not a, I hope he does maybe keep his promise because if he does, then, then yes, I can trust him. No, this is a, you can trust him because it's going to happen. And so hope, is uh, just just if I can if I if I would have spoken about this last week I would have just said this hope is the voice of faith. Don't believe me? Watch this. Hebrews. We're just going to go back a little bit before we go into our text for today. Hebrews ten nineteen through twenty three. The writer says, therefore, brothers and sisters, and notice how I keep saying the writers because no one really knows who actually wrote the book of Hebrews. <laughs> Uh, so if somebody comes and tells you so-and-so wrote the book of Hebrews, they don't know. Okay? So just so you know. <laughs> but the writer says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near uh, near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. 
having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. So faith brings assurance and hope brings the profession of that assurance. Did you see that? So hope is the voice of faith. And faith is the assurance of the hope we profess. Doesn't that sound familiar? It should. Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now many tried to attribute this particular verse as the definition of faith. Yet, This is a general and a broad definition of faith because it doesn't say now the faith. It doesn't have a definite article, right? It doesn't say now the faith is confidence in what we hope for. Even in the original language, it doesn't have that. What it's saying is generally when we speak about faith, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And what is comforting about this verse is that embedded within faith and primarily as we talk about faith, it's faith in God, is the recognition and acknowledgement that faith isn't, you ready? A well-known, for those of you that grew up in church, Carmen song, where he sings that faith is stepping out into nothing and uh, nothing and finding something there. That's not what this verse is talking about. What this verse is, is that it is a connection between a true claim and a reality. It's believing someone and acting accordingly. It's waiting on someone that we do not yet see, but still, but still believe that he is coming back. My, my favorite, uh, the theological dictionary of the New Testament, says this when considering this faith in the book of Isaiah. He says, here is not the weak and resigned hope of a perhaps, but the energetic hope of a nevertheless that rises, that arises out of wrestling through to final assurance. So guys, I know that we're weary because if you're like me, we've been wrestling through to final assurance. We're having to continually remind ourselves, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Every time we turn on this social media and start veering off into things that I shouldn't watch, I say, Jesus is better. Whenever whenever I'm in conversation with people and everything uh, tries to go down this path of wickedness or maybe talking about things that don't edify, I just have to remind myself of Jesus is better. And I'm here to remind you this Advent season that we don't belong to a faith to those who shrink uh, shrink back and are destroyed. We we belong uh, to those who have faith and are saved. We have a faith that keeps us in vital relationship with God and that spans our entire life and it releases new energy as we remain confident and assured in Him. 
And if, and if you're sensing kind of this, uh, this maybe excitement or maybe Johnny, I, you're, you're speaking really loud, louder than what you normally are. It's because whenever uh, I'm just going to sh- share this with you guys, whenever I was in, uh, London, there's this, just this moment where I just experienced like, uh, power of God, just, just, uh, man, just baptize me is the way that I know how to describe it in that moment. And when I went up to get prayer, uh, there was an older man that came up to me. And one of the things that he was praying, he just said, why are you up here? Like, it, you know, it was almost like off-putting when he said that. But I said, man, I'm just sensing like, like just the Lord, just the Holy Spirit is doing something in me. And I'm just wanting more of him and more of his fire. And what he said uh, to me is, he goes, I'm just sensing that the Lord is wanting you to go back home and tell the church that you're a part of that you can change the world and do it with fire. And so I'm here just to let you know that we have a faith that keeps us in vital relationship with God that spans our entire life. This isn't just for a moment. It's for the entirety of our life. And it's releasing new energy each day as we remain confident and assured in Jesus. And Hebrews 11, 2 says that this type of faith, this, this, what, uh, not shrinking back, not being destroyed, but belonging to those who have faith and are saved. This is what the ancients were commended for. I wish I had time to go through the entire chapter of Hebrews 11. But what the writer of Hebrews points out is that these are the people who did not shrink back. And so when he's writing this, one of the things that just really struck me, he didn't say this, but as I kept reading it, uh, he's saying basically that for those that don't shrink back, we might as well get to our funeral and tell those that remain, write my name in this list of people who remain confident in what they hoped for and were assured of what they did not see. Because when we get to that place, when we breathe our last breath, may it be said of us, we didn't shrink back. And may our names be added to Hebrews 11. Don't actually do that. That's not, (laughs) Revelation says not to do that. But, But we might as well write our names in there because what the writer of Hebrews is trying to point out is that these are the men and women who held on to their faith in spite of their difficult circumstances. That, 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 that these difficult circumstances at times made them a question whether they should believe God and shrink back at worst or get weary along the way at best. And what he says at the end of chapter uh, 11 is that none of them received what had been promised. So sobriety sobriety hits me when I read this chapter. Because as you read, you read about the amazing things some of these biblical figures overcame to see the goodness of God on display. You read about Abraham. You read about uh, Caleb. You read about Joshua. You read about so many people who did some amazing things all because they believed God. 
And then we get to a section of verses that says this. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. That phrase, they were sawed in two, uh, uh, church history would, would say that the prophet Isaiah, when, when he got to, uh, uh, basically when Babylonian captivity was ending, what happened to the prophet Isaiah for not shutting up the voice of God or the message that God had delivered through him, what happened to him is that he was actually sawn in two. Mm. And that's how he gave his life. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. Guys, this is not what we're living in 2022. 2022? Right now. Yet we're... And so what, what then the writer of Hebrews does, I'm just going to go into chapter 12 now. He says, since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, what they are doing is that they're cheering us on. And what they're saying, if you go uh, to, let's, let's go to chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And so what is happening here is that this cloud of witnesses that has gone before you, these people that endured these crazy, awful things and didn't shrink back and actually continued to have faith and were saved. What they are saying today is that they're saying, throw off what's hindering you. Throw away the sin that so easily entangles you and run, run the race with perseverance. The faith that we had to receive what was promised, that faith is yours. And now you get to actually put your eyes on the promise that we only had an understanding of, but our eyes did not see. This faith, this faith that, that we're talking about, it, to us, this cloud of witnesses that went before us said, this faith was blurry to us. We, we could maybe make out a figure, but it, we couldn't see it perfectly. And so what the writer of Hebrews says that this cloud of witnesses is cheering us on and is saying that faith is the, a substance of things hoped for, the assurance of things not seen. And what, he, what the writer of Hebrews does then in chapter 12, beginning in verse 2, faith now is ascribed to a person. Hmm. And he says, put your eyes on Jesus. Another way to say that is put your eyes on faith. Put your eyes on Jesus. Run the race and run it with perseverance. And the faith that we had to receive, that what was promised, that faith is yours. And now you get to put your eyes on the faith that was blurry to us. And that faith was Jesus. So who is the faith? Jesus. Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. He did it. 
He endured the cross. He endured the suffering. He endured the weariness that we are feeling. And he scorned its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And and so this Advent season, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He is faith. He is the reason why we light that candle. It's not just some ethereal thing of we're trying to, uh, the, the, the cloud of witnesses is like us where we try to explain what is faith, what is not. But we actually get to say faith is Jesus. He is the pioneer. He's the one who started it and he's the one who's going to end it. And so I'm here to tell you, in the midst of a weary world, we get to rejoice because we now are able to see that Jesus is faith and we await his return one day. And so, guys, let's live lives of faith. That when you get home and you turn on this candle with your family, it's not just an act of, of, uh, of just of, of hope, or it's not just an act of faith, but what we're actually lighting. Uh, if you don't know this, next time do this. Turn off all the lights in your home. And when you light the hope candle first, notice how the light comes on. When you light the, 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 the faith candle second, so on and so forth, so forth. When you get to the Christ candle, you'll see how much light is in your room because that is the whole point of the Advent wreath, that the more candles you light, the brighter it gets. And when you get to Jesus, it's as bright as it'll ever get. So don't grow weary. Do not lose heart. The weary world rejoices. And so here's the question that I had for today, that this is a question that I come back to in my own personal times with Jesus. Is Jesus enough? When the house goes through, when the apartment goes through, when the marriage is suffering, when you're feeling lonely and alone, or maybe you didn't get the promotion that you wanted, or, or you, you just fill in that blank. Whatever it is that is causing you weariness in your soul. Mm-hmm. Is Jesus enough? Mm-hmm. If I don't have any of this other stuff, is Jesus enough? Mm-hmm. And every time I come back to that question, I personally just get cut to heart. Because I remember, I, I, I consciously think of the places where I know that Jesus hasn't been enough. And I have to say, Lord, will you please forgive me? Yeah. And so in this moment, during this ministry time, consider this question. And as we pray for one another, that we would just take a moment to really examine our own hearts and be able to say boldly and confess to one, one to the other and say, this is where Jesus hasn't been enough. Mm. And this is where my soul feels weary. Mm. Mm-hmm. And what he is calling us to, he's calling us to rejoice yeah. because he enters into those places and he says, I know what that feels like. So you don't have to feel bad anymore. Like you don't have to feel like there's no hope. You don't have to feel like 
oh, what's Jesus going to think of me if I tell him that he hasn't been enough in this place that it seems like everyone else he seems enough in? You don't have to feel that way because when somebody is able to sympathize or Jesus is really, truly the only one who's able to empathize with you, he can enter in and he says, I know what you're feeling. And he says, come on. That, I, that, that lights a fire in me. And so what we're going to do is consider this question. And we're going to take communion. And so as we enter into communion, what we see is exactly what we just read. Is we fix our eyes on Jesus. Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of, of, of faith, that for the joy set before him, and we'll talk about that next week, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and considered him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Why do we take communion? It's not just to remember the broken body and the blood that he shed, that is the most important thing that we need to remember. And as a part of that, what we also get to do is that we get to consider him so that we would not grow weary and lose heart. Communion strengthens us and emboldens our heart to know if Jesus went through it, he's with me. And I don't have to feel weary anymore. I can rejoice. My hope and my prayer is that you would catch just a glimpse of this. And so Holy Spirit, I pray, will you do a work in us starting this Advent season to turn the tide, to, turn, to help us turn the corner into joy. <coughs> into a season of joy, into everlasting joy, so that we would remain confident and not lose heart. That we can actually feel what the line in this Christmas hymn says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. You are that morning, Jesus. Teach us to make you enough in our hearts, enough in our lives. Forgive us for where you have not been. That's on us. And let us hold on to you. In Jesus' name. Whenever you're ready, participate in communion and let's pray for one another.